0: Get that water out of the goddamn huddle. i tell you when you get a f***ing water break. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today's January 9th, two, 2020. 2020. Not James Winston's vision. <laughs> That'd be 2400, something like that.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. Maybe, hopefully not. Slow news, slow news.
0: Not a whole lot to talk about. But of course, every time I say that, we end up running our mouths for an hour. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's what we're here for. What you got?
0: We got any fact checks or follow-ups? No. Okay. We were perfect.
1: (laughs) Or lazy, whichever.
0: Yeah. All right, got some games coming up this weekend. Quan Alexander will be active for the 49ers game against Minnesota Saturday at 435 p.m. He's going to be used sparingly. Now, if you don't recall, Alexander suffered a torn pectoral muscle during an October 31st, 2019 matchup against the Cardinals. This was thought to be season ending, but now here he is
1: convenient
0: hey I, he wants to play in the playoffs i don't blame him i want to play in the playoffs too
1: <laughs> we'll send you and let you be the kicker <laughs> put me in coach
0: <laughs> oh wouldn't that be a sight mike caldwell the inside linebacker coach with the buccaneers and ben Steele of the falcons will serve as the head coaches for the 95th east west shrine bowl Is
1: that some college thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently it's a bowl between shriners From the East and the West. (laughs) It's like the rappers, East Coast, West Coast. Is that still a thing? I don't think so. After they killed off Biggie and Tupac.
1: Yeah, that question. They
0: killed it all. Carson Palmer was on the Rich Eisen show talking about Arians and Jameis Winston the other day. Now, if you don't recall, Carson Palmer played with Arians at Arizona.
1: Was he there the whole time B.A. was there?
0: Yeah. He ended up getting injured, I believe, in like 2000. The last year, the second to last year that
1: Arians was there, so he didn't play the
0: whole season, if I recall correctly. That'll be a good follow-up. He did say that uh, Winston's going to have a good year next year if Arians keeps him. Palmer had a career high of 22 interceptions in his first year with Arians. Uh, he had much fewer interceptions in his second year. He said it takes years for the offensive players to get the hang of the system.
1: Yeah, he said it's really complicated. And like the receivers, they can run multiple routes. Yeah, they got in. a lot of option
0: routes. Right. And uh, he says Arian's offense has twice as many plays as most teams. Yeah,
1: I picked that up too. He said most teams have like 150 on their play sheet. NBA puts in 300. That's which is an incredible that they do that per game. BA doesn't like to call the same play twice. Right. So he's got to have f- a thousand plays in his repertoire.
0: But we got to also remember that Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator, not Bruce Arians. So we don't know how much of Bruce Arians is, is putting into the play calling.
1: But I think it's still his system.
0: Yeah. Carson Palmer was very high on Jameis Winston.
1: I listened to Pat McAfee talk about Jameis, and he was not as high. <laughs> <laughs> he thought Jameis should be grateful for getting twenty million. Yeah, well, he's like, you know, you throw thirty picks, not the good thirty for thirty. You got to get take what you can get. So for him to be asking for thirty million, that's like Patrick Mahomes' money.
0: He ain't wrong. You know, I mean, Jameis Winston had. His good streaks, and if he would end ended on the good streak, then most people would be like, yeah, okay, we'll give him some money. But, you know, to end the season on a pick six.
1: On a pick six. Against just... a
0: division opponent fighting for second place in the division. That was just, that was like kicking the balls. And you could well, tell Bruce we didn't Aarons, let
1: them come back.
0: You could tell Bruce Arians was so pissed at, at that press conference. He was not happy with Jameis Winston. Yeah, we did let him come back. Uh did you know that the Bucks defense faced the most pass attempts of any team in the NFL last year? 41.5 attempts per game, which is 3.3 attempts per game higher than the next best team. That's according to Chris F. on Twitter. Uh, so that means the Bucks defense had to defend almost 10% more passes than any other team in the league. Well, that's crazy.
1: That is crazy. Well, that's because
0: they couldn't run on us at all.
1: That's true. Yeah, that accounts for... Most of that. And having a young secondary.
0: Mm -hmm. Who were batting the balls down like crazy. I swear there was a record in there somewhere about passes defense. I've never seen a secondary bat as many balls down as we did.
1: They should have caught them.
0: Yeah. Who was a pro football focus? said that (laughs) uh, our secondary dropped more interceptions than most teams
1: (laughs) had? had. That's crazy. Scott Smith had a cool stat in one of his articles that if you divide the season in half, so the first eight games, and you look at the yardage differential, so how many yards we put up versus how many yards the other teams put up, in the first eight games, we had 40 more yards than our opponents. Combined? Combined. It's- so it's like we, sc- we had – I'm just throwing a number out in here for an example. We had 2,040 yards to their 2,000 yards.
0: Okay.
1: Total. Within eight games. The last eight games, the differential was plus 823.
0: Wow. That's 100. In the Bucks' favor. 100 yards per game. I know.
1: Isn't that insane? We
0: should have won all those. I know. But we won most of them. A lot
1: of them. A lot of them. Not enough.
0: How many did we win in the second half of the season? Five? I think we won five. We won five and three. Yes. Okay. That's going to be another fact check follow <laughs> Uh, 38% of our games were played against playoff-bound teams. We had six. six. Six of our games were against playoff-bound teams. I looked it up, and I started going through all the other teams. Most of them were around five or six. So that's about oh, average. Oh, interesting. Okay. You
1: know. So it's not really a badge of honor for us?
0: No, I thought it would be much higher. Uh, but I only did the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Eagles. The Eagles had five, Seahawks, and Cardinals had six. So, you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm figuring but. I'm gonna be talking about Greg Schiano's time here quite a bit. Uh, I remember when we in Greg Schiano's first year, 2012. I think we played nine. Half of our games were against playoff teams because I think two of our division opponents, the Panthers and the Saints, or it might have been the Saints and Atlanta, both went to the playoffs. So that was that was
1: yeah, that'll skew it. That's
0: four games right there. Speaking of Greg Schiano,
1: let it go, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> it's been seven years.
0: Has <laughs> it been seven years? Good Lord. Oh, what a debacle that was. Matt Rule had his press conference, if you're not familiar. Matt Rule is the new head coach for the Carolina Panthers, or the Kittens, as we like to the call them. He was a head coach at Temple. He has very little NFL experience. I think he was an offensive line o- coach yeah. for the Giants.
1: An assistant offensive okay. Yeah, coach. <laughs> so
0: Very little NFL experience. I watched the uh, press conference because everybody was talking about how great it was. matter of fact, people were saying like his first sentence was like the most impactful statement they've ever heard.
1: It, I, there was so much just coach speak. Oh, it, God. It sounded like every other coach's press conference.
0: Yeah, yeah. What really stood out to me at the press conference was that the, I think it was the GM introduced everybody, but he introduced Nicole Tepper. That's the girl I was talking about in the last podcast. Oh, okay. So they are married. Okay. It is crazy. That's the
1: only thing you got from that press conference.
0: <laughs> Not the only thing, but it, it really popped out. I was like, Nicole Tepper, who is that? Oh. Because the general manager was talking about we have staff here to help people with questions after the conference or whatever you need. And he mentioned Nicole Tepper was one of the people. So you know, I was like, whoa, is that that girl I was talking about? That David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, he left his wife of 30 some years and then he hooked up with this young. Girl, And there's absolutely no information about her. Nobody knows anything about her. They don't know her nationality or her age. They didn't even know. Nobody even knew if he was married. If you go to Wikipedia and you look under David Tepper and you read it, they said he's married to Nicole, but then there's citation needed because nobody knows. Well, apparently he is. So that just really stood out to me because we had just talked about there. But that David Tepper, he he, he reminds me of uh, Kelsey Grammer with no hair. That's a weird dude, man.
1: He looks to me, remember the dinosaurs, the show oh. in the 90s? I'm
0: like, I ain't that old.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you wrote him to school, Ralph. <laughs>
0: uh, Yeah, I remember the, the dinosaurs.
1: He's got that weird shaped head.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like and the, the weird lips, weird yeah. lips. Uh, he he also reminds me of like Steve Ballmer and he's like a cross between Steve Ballmer and Steve Jobs.
1: Who's Steve Joe, Ballmer?
0: I want to say he's the owner of a basketball team. I might be having him confused with the owner of the Seattle Seahawks. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, these rich guys. And you was know Was he they, the
1: Microsoft guy?
0: I can't remember. That's the owner of the Seattle Seahawks. The Microsoft yeah. guy. Or it was. Didn't he die? Here we go. Fact check follow up. <laughs> uh but he uh he's he you know Steve Jobs used to Jobs, whatever. What was it, Jobs?
1: I say Jobs. God, this I can't remember. English. We, you know.
0: He just died a few years ago, and I can't even remember how to pronounce Steve his name. Jobs, I think. Okay, we'll go with that. It's like, is it a gif or a jif?
1: It's a GIF.
0: Well, anyhow, you know, they, they like to have all this, you know, energy and be cool and all that. And
1: with the little headset. <laughs> the little microphone.
0: Well, they, 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 they made a big deal about David Tepper before they introduced him that he really loves music. So he's going to be introduced on stage to Imagine Dragons. And, you know, they made a big deal of it. He picked uh-huh. this song out, you know, and so he'd come up, bounce it up on stage and everything. It's like, oh, give me a break. There
1: were probably 12 people in the room, and they were all like, okay, let's, do we clap now? This is weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the richest owner in the league, so there's probably quite a few people in there.
1: That are paid to yeah. clap.
0: Yeah, they're like, oh, we love you, David. <laughs> but anyhow, I, you know, i am I'm been paying attention to this Matt Rule being hired and everybody's discussion about this guy discussion about him and then it reminded me of when Greg Schiano was hired they're almost exactly the same they were both college coaches that turned their programs around you know Greg Schiano did great at Rutgers had them in you know championships or not championships but bowls they hadn't been to bowls in like since dinosaurs walked the earth and uh, Rule, had you know he changed his program around it two took programs. him a couple years two programs yeah, so you know they're they're kind of the same but the media treated him so different, so so different. Matt Rule is being treated like he's the next coming of Michael Jordan, <laughs> <laughs> or Patrick Mahomes, who is now the new, the Michael, new Jordan. Michael
1: Jordan, per Troy Aikman.
0: But Deshaun Watson is now the new Patrick Mahomes. Yes, so, you know, somebody's got no. to
1: Lamar Jackson. Lamar
0: Jackson is now the new Patrick Mahomes. Right. Who Patrick Mahomes is the new Michael Jordan. Yes. Yeah, so Rule is getting, you know, the, all this great praise and everything. Listen to some of the headlines. These are some of the headlines people wrote when, Matt, when Greg Sciano was hired as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One, why Greg Shiano hiring is so surprising. Now that article goes on and just lambasts Greg Shiano. The next headline, Greg Shiano breaking promises made to Rutgers.
1: Ooh, that's messed up. Oh, it gets worse. Rule got bought out of his contract. Right. Like, temper, that's part of his salary, <laughs> yeah. you know. His deal.
0: <laughs> right. Wow. Uh, another one, Greg Schiano, a thief of the worst kind.
1: Whoa. Yeah.
0: Another one, is Greg Schiano fit to be an NFL coach? And, of course, we know the rule in journalism, when you ask a question, the answer is always no. And, of course, in that article, they went ahead and basically said, no, he's not fit to be a head coach. And then after, I think it was our first game against the Giants, or the kneel-down thing, uh, <laughs> there was five articles that said Greg Schiano was regarded as a bully around the NFL well before kneel down incident. Oh,
1: for God's sake!
0: <laughs> These are some of the articles. The headline, you know, and I, the media hated Greg Schiano. We've talked about this on the podcast. Yes, and it's one of the reasons why we are so adamant to hold the media accountable to the crap they say because they did not like Greg Shiano. Uh Joe Buck's friend, Joe Buck's fan, even had an article years after Greg Shiano was fired, talking about how the media hated Greg Shiano from day one. And it was because he did not treat them like they were the grand poobahs. He didn't give them media access to the players. He restricted their media access. When he was at Rutgers, he would keep them cordoned off the field, you know, because his philosophy was, I want my guys to focus on football. I don't want them, you know, kissing butt to the media or getting involved in drama and all that mess. Didn't work out for him. I just found it very strange. And uh, that takes me to another thing talking about the media. This is off season. You're going to get a lot of media stuff from us. <laughs> this is when we focus on the media. Uh, a YouTuber named Trust My Clutch, I hope that's not a slang term for something I'm not aware of that the kids are saying now, <laughs> he called me out for the podcast last time because I was saying, I don't care if the players put babies on spikes. It doesn't matter to me what they do off the field. All I care about is that they put good performance on the field. You know, it's entertainment to me. He called me out and he said, you know, it's basically nuts. You know, don't you know, don't say you don't care if our players murder people, you know. And he's right. He's right. I, I was being hyperbolic. I was, I was going over the top.
1: There is a line. Of yeah. course there's a line. Right.
0: And, and it really I wasn't really talking about the players as much as I meant to be talking about how the media portrays the players. Uh, In the phrase, putting babies on spikes, that's an old saying I got from the comedian Eddie Izzard. What was the name of that stand-up? One of my favorite stand-ups of all time, that show. Ah. Follow-up. Yeah, that'll be a follow-up. So let me break this down a little bit further, what I was trying to get across. I believe in role models really, really, really strongly. Role models mean a lot to me because I grew up uh, and I had a crap ton of role models. I was big into... People are going to thrash me for this. Mel Gibson, Clint Eastwood, Ozzy Osbourne, if you can believe that. Not a really good role model, but I, I had a lot of role models that I tried to emulate them. That's what you do with role models when you're a kid. You know, you see them doing stuff, and you want to be like them, so you do the same things. I don't want players to be bad people. Uh, if, I had, uh, if I was dictator, all of our players would be fine, upstanding young men who contribute to the community. That's what I prefer. By far. I don't want a bunch of ruffians and hooligans and, you know, people putting babies on spikes. No, that's not what I want because I know how much of an influence role models have on young people. And the NFL, sports in particular, they're they're huge role models to kids growing up. So, yes, I would prefer them to all be fantastic human beings because I think it would proliferate throughout society. You know, when you, when you do have a bad person who is a role model, that makes tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of bad people trying to emulate him being bad.
1: And football is where a lot of young men mm-hmm. get their yes. role models. And so yeah. we want people that are going to set a good example for our boys.
0: Yes, very much so. Very much so. But we've talked about this on here as well in the podcast quite a few times that... The players on the field, these NFL players, these are not the best NFL players in the world. Just like the basketball players in the NBA are not the best basketball players in the world. I have personally seen on courts, in neighborhoods, guys that are amazingly, fantastically, incredible basketball players. The difference is those guys didn't go to college. They didn't get the good grades. They didn't go through the gauntlet that these professional athletes have to go through. Now, the NFL, you have to go through a lot. You have to go through years and years and years of basically internship where you're practicing, you're playing with no money, and you have to be able to do that. You have to be in a financial situation where you could do that to begin with. And then you have to stay out of trouble. That's a big one. You have to be able to speak well. You know, that wasn't such an issue back, you know, in the 80s, 70s, 60s, and all that. They didn't care how you spoke. But now there's so much media that you have to be well-spoken. You have to be—they they want family men. You know, there, there's just a gauntlet that you have to go through. Now, the guys on the NFL football field are not necessarily the best football players in the world. They're just the guys that have made it through that gauntlet and have got the chance to go out there and play. A large part of that gauntlet is staying clean and being a good role model. However— when it comes to the actual entertainment aspect of the sport of football, it is their on the play field that matters. That's the entertainment value. What I have an issue with is how the media harps on every little thing the players do.
1: Right, there's these constant purity tests and guys will get drug through them mud. I mean, who's making that call? What's what's bad? What's
0: Right. Like, and it's generally the media and they have their pet things they like to uh, go after. Don't, don't, don't treat animals bad. <laughs> you know, don't, don't do that. Uh, you know, don't, don't treat women bad. Don't do that. You know, it, it reminds me of Ray Cruz. You know, I, if it was up to me, I, we, we would have shot that guy in the middle of the street. You know, I mean, that, that was just disgusting. But the Ray Rice incident, you know, I'm like, yeah you know, man, come on. I mean, I know people are like, oh, you can't hit a woman and everything. Man, I saw her spit and hit him. They're a married couple. She did not want him to get fired. All that good stuff. So you know the media really hypes up the things they want to hype up. They don't hype up. How many NFL players have you ever heard that got kicked out of the NFL for getting into a bar fight with another guy? You don't even hear about it generally. It happens. No, not it happens quite a bit.
1: Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. How many times has he done that?
0: Right. Yeah. I and mean, he's on camera pushing guys, punching guys, all this stuff. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They have their pet things that when when you violate one of their Sacred cows. That's it. You're done. They're going to come at you with with daggers drawn. That's fine and dandy. They can do that. What they're not doing, the media, is you know paying attention to these guys' welfare, their best interest. You know these players. What they want to do is paint them out as to be bad guys because we all know you write a negative article, it's going to get more clicks than if you write a positive article. It's almost. I think the math is twelve times more. Somewhere along those lines. So, you know, these media guys are always looking for negative stuff to write about. They miss out on a lot of crucial stuff. They like to say that, oh, hey, we're, we're trying to point out bad apples. But they miss bad apples all the time that don't pop up on their specialized radar.
1: Aaron Hernandez is a perfect example.
0: Kevin Winslow Jr., perfect example. This guy was in the league for years and years and years. He was on the How Buccaneers. many
1: teams? Four or five teams?
0: Yes, and not a media person on there, in there, talked about his sexual deviance problems. It was well known in the locker room I mean, the guy carried around a blow-up doll and masturbated in the locker rooms, in the he showers.
1: porn on the planes. Watch
0: porn on the planes, yeah. Media just, you know, they didn't talk about that or they didn't know about it. Either way, it's bad on the media. You know, now this guy's sitting in prison for raping women. You know, if the media would have picked up on that early on in his career or at any point in his career, maybe he could have gotten some help, you know? It was blatantly obvious to everybody that knew Kellen Winslow that he had those issues. Daniel Taylor-Nashim, he was a defensive end who played three seasons with the Buccaneers from 2011 to 2013. He started 26 games for us, registered four sacks, 54 tackles, 10 tackles for a loss, 15 quarterback hits. This guy was not a second stringer, third stringer. He wasn't a practice squad guy. He was a starter for us. He was drafted by the Eagles in the 3rd round in 2010. Unfortunately, injuries kept him out of all but 6 regular games with them in the 2010 season. He ended up on drugs. Adivan, Tramadol, Percocet, Vicodin. He lived in an extended stay of hotels while he was with Tampa. He became paranoid and distant while he was with Tampa. He would not contact his family members for months, and then he would call for random phone numbers and not sound himself according to his sister Mary. After being cut by the Buccaneers, he developed a deep paranoia and was extremely ashamed of failing in the NFL. We know all of this because he kept journals. He insisted he was being followed and thought maids were going through his trash, so he moved hotels constantly. He complained that someone was using his credit card, only to realize that he had made the purchases but had forgotten. He insisted someone was inside his computers, so he destroyed his laptop, bought a new one, then did it again and again and again. It became a recurring thing with him. He would buy a laptop, use it, destroy it. Like I said, this was all according to his journal and his family members. In May 2014, Daniel left a voice message in which, in a faraway voice, he asked his aunt, Family I'm going to butcher that name, Fama Philly Monahan, to call him. Like a concern, she called the police in Tampa to ask if they would check up on her nephew. Monahan sent a text to her sister, Daniel's mother, with an update telling her that Daniel had thanked him, thanked her for sending the officers to check on him. This was all while he was in Tampa now. Tayon Nashim's former agent, Eric Kaufman, said his client told him he was lost without football. It's an exact quote. Yet he canceled a trip to Buffalo to work out with the Bills when given the opportunity. Tayon Nashim changed his cell phone number. Hotels evicted him for not paying. When hotel workers entered his units, they said it looked like a tornado had blown through. Now, he moved back to Hawaii in the summer of 2015 and had to move in with his mother because he had spent all of his NFL money. A neuropsychiatric profile composed by Dr. Jesse Mez of Boston University said that he drank three to five times a week, quote, frequently excessively, end quote. There's been players from the Buccaneers anonymously that have said that Teo Nishim did have drug problems while he was with the Buccaneers. Unfortunately, he died of a drug overdose at a friend's house on October 29th, 2017 was found face down, dead, after they had sat up all night drinking vodka and taking pills. Of course, this only come out because the media wanted to blame CTE. They blamed it CTE for that. But here's what I want to get at. If we're going to write a 500-word article about somebody leaving their dog on the side of the road and then talk about how they need to be thrown off the team and you know everybody gets their knives out and everything, why aren't these same people whose job is to report on these players— Looking into stuff like this, why didn't they help this guy? Or at least write an article like they love to do about his troubles so that he could get help. So that somebody would have helped him. But apparently, nobody cared. The guy's broke. Going from hotel to hotel. Busting up laptops. Getting drunk. On drugs. In Tampa. Now, if he would have left a dog on the side of the road, the Bradenton Herald, the Tampa Bay Times, (laughs) (laughs) he'd be on national media, you know, how bad of a person he was for leaving a dog on the side of the road. That's where I have an issue. You know, it breaks my heart to hear stuff like this. And I really, you know, it's like with Kellen Winslow. We were really upset when we heard about that, you know, that he got arrested. We we, we had multiple podcasts on it. You know, and we're like, how did we not know? I mean, we're avid Buccaneer fans. You know, there's not a whole lot that goes on with the Buccaneers that we don't know about that is disseminated. You know, these media guys have inside access, inside information. You know, why aren't they reporting on stuff like that? You know, not to shame these guys, not to make everybody grab their knives and want to come after them, but, you know, to say, hey, you know, maybe this person needs some help, you know, before they go and rape people. I'm not saying it's the media's fault for, you know, Kelly Winslow going out and raping people. Good Lord, no. But, I mean, if you're going to write negative articles about people, why not write negative articles about people that you can try to prevent them from doing bad stuff, like raping people or killing themselves? So there that's my thing. <laughs> I know. I'm stepping down off the soapbox now.
1: Good soapbox.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. I wish I didn't have to say it. Uh, you know, it's it, it drives me crazy when I hear about this, you know, the ex-players. It, it, Deshaun Jackson was one where we were like, what? How did we not know all this stuff that was going on in the locker room? The media knew about it. They just decided not to tell anybody. They
1: held on to it for a year. They
0: held on to it until they were ready to get rid of him. And then they come out with all this stuff about him kicking over displays at Christmas and, you know, two years ago and all this. And you're like, well, how come I didn't hear about that two years ago? Yeah. And, and it takes me back to Greg Shana, too. They wrote all these articles about him. I mean, it was article after article after article about, you know, the MRSA and the uh, team vote counts and the uh, the running Freeman out of town and all that. And then come to find out years later from the same media that wrote those articles, all of it was uh, untrue. I'm not going to say a lie. Let's say untrue. So the media has an agenda and frankly, I get tired of it. I'm, that's why I say I don't care if a guy's putting babies on spikes, as long as he's putting something on the field. Because what he what's on the field, I can see that. What comes from the media, don't really trust it a whole lot. <laughs> they're hiding stuff. They're they're making stuff. You know, the, the thing with Nacho, you know, he says that they they got they sold the dog, or they they gave it to somebody else, and somebody else dropped it on the road, or you know, they said they had to get rid of it because the wife was pregnant, all that good stuff. You know, I don't think Nacho's a bad guy. You know, I don't don't think, he. you know, it's not like he was out there gutting the dog and slitting its throat and throwing it in the river.
1: Pull out a Michael Vick.
0: Yeah, right. You know, so my caveat with that is, yeah, I I can see what's on the field. Off the field, you know, if it goes to court, evidence comes out, then I can make a judgment. Ray Cruz, screw him. Aaron Hernandez, screw him, you know. All this other stuff, though, I'm like, man, you know, there's two sides to every story. And,
1: there's bad people everywhere, but there's also good people who do bad things or get caught up in bad things. So to me, you can't just make a judgment call based on the limited information that is often put out in situations like that.
0: Yes, and everything is, you know, there's very few things in life that are black and white. You know? I mean, even murder. You know, you could say, oh, if I murder somebody, that's a bad thing. Well, you know, what if they were, you know, coming to kill my kid? you know, then that's not a bad thing. And you go, that's eh, a good thing. You know, so, you know, there's two sides to every story. And generally with the media, you only get to one side. And the one side is basically we want to paint everybody in a bad light. Unless, of course, they like you and then they're going to paint you in a good light. You know, the difference between Greg Schiano's introduction to the NFL and Matt Rule's introduction to the NFL is a perfect example. So uh trust my clutch. Thank you for that comment. Thanks for calling me out on that. I did not mean to give the impression that I'm fine with having a bunch of murderers on our team. <laughs> now, maybe...
1: If they're murdering on the field.
0: There you go. <laughs> field murderers. <laughs> uh, maybe breaking entering guys I could have on the team.
1: I don't know. Those are That's why Kellen Winslow Jr. was doing at first. Yeah.
0: Gosh, how long did he get? Did he get sentenced? I don't yeah.
1: remember. Yeah,
0: we forget. That's another fact I can follow.
1: You got any more soapboxes?
0: Nope. Uh, Greg Allman has an article in The Athletic about... It's theathletic.com. Go there and check it out. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe. Greg Allman is, in my view, the best, no BS, beat reporter for the Buccaneers. Uh, he's got an article on what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off shopping list could look like. He breaks it all down, how we can keep, who we need to keep, who's out there that we might could get, and all that. Good article. Go check it out.
1: I'm almost ready to start thinking about free agency and looking into it, but then— I'm sad.
0: (laughs) I don't want to lose anybody on the team.
1: I don't either. So I'm a little nervous to start looking into it and seeing that there's no way that we can keep everyone.
0: I'll be so sad. So sad.
1: So sad. Do you want to talk about playoffs?
0: Yes. Playoffs. Playoffs.
1: Not the Buccaneers, sadly.
0: I know. Next year. Next year, baby.
1: For sure. Definitely. You know, I watched the last, uh, before we get to playoffs, I watched the last In the Current
0: I didn't see the last one.
1: Okay. It was good. It was a good summation of the season, and they had Godwin and Evans on there. And a side note, another side note, a side note to the side note. The guy that narrates them is the same guy that does the podcast with Scott Smith, oh, the salty dog. Really? Yeah, I well, think so. He's the media guy. I heard the yeah. voice and I was like, Oh, I think that's the same guy. I might be wrong, but in any case, Mike Evans made the point that he said this is the best team that he's ever played on and he really wants to stay there and he's excited for next season. Uh, it- Mike Evans yeah. said that
0: best team he's ever played on.
1: Best team he's played on.
0: We should we should look and see if he says that at the end of every year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna know. Just lie to me, Mike. <laughs>
0: yeah, lie to me, Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then I also watched the last mic'd up. It was Levante from on the Atlanta game. And it was good. All the Atlanta guys were coming up to him because, you know, he got his thousand tackles in that yes. game. So they were all coming up to him afterwards and oh, cool. talking about how awesome he is. And I've been playing against you for eight years and you're just a monster. And, you know, lamenting the Pro Bowl that he didn't make it again. But it's co- it was cool to see.
0: I like Levante. It was the only jersey I bought for, like, five years, I think. Yeah. Because I was just like, I've never had a quarterback jersey. Thought about getting a Winston one. I go back and forth with that. Like, I have one. That's,
1: like, yeah. my only. I have some older ones that were, like, discount I don't want to talk about.
0: <laughs> Barrett Rudd. <laughs> I know. Rude.
1: That was my first one. was a Barrett Rudd jersey. <laughs> After he was off the team. <laughs> shh. shh. I can't get rid of them now. All right. Playoffs. You ready? Playoffs! We didn't do predictions last week, so let's go ahead and do them. Saturday, the Vikings take on the 49ers at 435. What do you think about this game?
0: got to go with the 49ers. And I do, yeah,
1: I think so, too. They've got home field advantage. You know, the well, Vikings pulled it out against New Orleans, but is that because well, New Orleans wasn't playing great?
0: New Orleans' defense is not near as good as 49ers' defense, and the, the Minnesota was, from what I could tell— uh, they used a lot of tight ends in blocking, and they were able to block, get Cook out. Yeah, the edges. they had
1: a lot of success with the run game. Yeah,
0: especially around the edges. They ain't gonna be able to do that with the Forty ers You ain't gonna block none of those guys with a tight end. I mean, yeah, yeah. America, America,
1: <laughs> <laughs> do not block elite defensive ends with the tight end.
0: Yeah, so I got to go with the Forty ers and they, I think they've got, you know, a good team. They're on fire. They do not want to lose. I, don't I think know,
1: the first round, <laughs> the first game that they've played. Yeah. They can't lose this one. I will pick the 49ers as well, so that means the Vikings are probably going to win. That's right.
0: <laughs> we went one for four. Yes. Last weekend.
1: Awful. Man. Embarrassing. We
0: suck at Do football. Do we even we don't, watch football? We don't, we don't know a thing about football.
1: No, nothing. Okay, the next one will be fun, too. Saturday at 8.15, we got the Titans at the Ravens.
0: Oof. Now, you know what? I'm going to say the Ravens for this one. I just—they—they're just a good blocking, tackling team. Very physical. But so is Tennessee.
1: And they're both run heavy. Yep. Well, no, I say that, but aren't the Ravens up there for passing? I don't think so. I think they have the most passing touchdowns.
0: No, they might. I don't know.
1: I mean, they do score so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Got to go with Baltimore. They've just been steamrolling everybody this year. And you know Tennessee has has really been a surprise to everybody.
1: Absolutely, and I don't think it's necessarily a testament to them like that we say the Ravens are going to win because Tennessee's been playing really well. I just don't think that they're going to be able to overcome.
0: It's going to be a good Smash Mouth football game. Either I way. hope so. Yeah, either way. if they can make it to where Tennessee has to throw the ball a lot, they'll definitely win.
1: <laughs> but they've got Derrick Henry too.
0: Right? Yeah, they've they've got to control Derrick Henry, but. He's just so big and brutal, man.
1: He's hard to bring down. Mm He's So big.
0: Yeah. Big guy. Reminds me a lot of Adrian Peterson in his prime.
1: Yeah, me too. All
0: right. Who's playing Sunday?
1: Sunday, we've got the Texans at Chiefs at 3.05.
0: This one, man, I don't know.
1: I don't know either. I don't know anything about the Chiefs. The Texans are just, to me, they're very meh. Yeah, meh. But. They keep winning. They keep winning. They came back and beat us. With Buffalo, they had a comeback last week. So, I think that they could pull it out. So, who are you picking? I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to take the home team. Although, I know nothing about them. I've not watched a single game with them this season.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. You know, I'll I'll make it different. I'll just say the Texans. It's a toss-up there. That'll be our... Yeah, that'll be our only game we care about.
1: (laughs) Okay. Divisional round on Sunday, 6.40 p.m. We've got the Seahawks at the Packers. Seahawks. Me too.
0: But it's at Packers. Lambert eh? oh, yeah. Field is that's tough a place tough to place play. to play.
1: It's going to be cold. I wonder if there will be snow.
0: Seahawks play in the cold. Yeah. Yeah, I got to take the Seahawks.
1: Agreed. So, really, the Texans Chiefs is the only game <laughs> the only we care, game we care, care about.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, Molly is still in it. She picked Minnesota to go to the Super Bowl. I had picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl.
1: And we both picked the Patriots from the AFC. So yeah,
0: so we got knocked out quick on that habit. one. I got knocked out by the Vikings, <laughs> who Molly had picked. So,
1: uh, There's no way they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. She's still in it. Crazy.
0: They've got some talent, and I I, lo- I like Mike Zimmer as a coach. I mean, he, he's a good coach.
1: Yeah, he's turned the organization around, and they've been contenders since he's been there. I love Case Keenum in the locker room afterwards. Last week, did you see it? What happened? He goes, I got just one thing to say to you gentlemen. You like that? Oh, God.
0: (laughs) Oh, I hate it when he did that to us. Uh, And it was all over the media. I know. It went viral.
1: It's still a meme. It's fun. Nobody remembers it was against us. They just remember he did it. (laughs) I remember.
0: That's where the pain comes from.
1: (laughs) Salt in the wounds. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. Everybody enjoy your
0: football this weekend. Get drunk, but drive safe. Uber it or stay at home. That's, how, that's usually the safest way to do it.
1: That's how I like to do it.
0: <laughs> Sit there and lament that the Buccaneers are not in the playoffs once again.
1: Next year is our year.
0: Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. First time I've ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the playoffs next year, baby.
1: <laughs> Super Bowl. Yeah,
0: never heard that come out of my mouth. <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us Till next time.
1: Go Bucks.